Hi, this is Bobby Brown. I am the author of Cherry on Top with Caroline Ryder for Rare Bird Books. Welcome to Rare Bird Podcast. I'm sitting here with Caroline Ryder. Hi, Caroline. Hey, Bobby. How, how do we how do we know you? We know you because you have been my ghostwriter for years now. Yeah, decades. <laughs> seems like it. Lifetimes. No, but but my, many lifetimes before this one, I suspect. I think so. Yeah. Um. She. I met you. Um. You came in to meet me. Basically, I had three meetings with ghostwriters for the day. Um. I was meeting for Dirty Rocker Boys, and mm-hmm. um. Everybody had the opportunity to to hear my voice, get my story, and write a little write a little something on it and I remember the first two ghostwriters I was like what the fuck are they talking about what What?" and then you were perfect you got me you we hit it off you were wonderful and I just thought she's perfect for me and um and we've worked so well together ever since Mm -hmm. and for this book I really wanted you to come in and do this journey with me again and and that's how uh, and that's how we have two books together I know it's been amazing and I remember I remember meeting you. It was maybe it was 2011, mm-hmm. right? And I was actually living in the desert outside of LA. And my right. agent, Adam, was also your agent. And right. he said, I think that you two will really get along. And then we sat down, and like you say, it just sort of felt very natural. And yeah. the conversation really flowed. And one thing I always really enjoyed about working with you off the bat was this sense of trust and respect. Yeah. Um, that you were gonna be you mm-hmm. and tell me all your stories fully yeah. with full trust. Yeah. And you were also really good at making me feel respected in from you know on my side of the process where I have to take all of that digest it kind of shape it into something that hopefully feels like it has a narrative flow a beginning middle and end all of that kind of stuff and I feel like really from beginning to end with our first book Mm -hmm. it was just so seamless and really flowed of course you just had an incredible life amazing <laughs> stories and you tell them so well Thanks. which you know leads us to the second book where you're taking all of that storytelling ability of your own yeah and putting it on a stage yeah doing stand-up yeah and you know it was really interesting like the transition from that first book and yeah. it coming out and I think it was the same guy who it, the same editor who did the dirt and all of those big sort of male rock books yeah and I think if I correct me if I'm wrong but I think that they were excited about this book but they didn't see it as like as you know like it's going to be like the dirt kind of thing but actually yeah the public responded with just as much enthusiasm they did which yeah. I think is re- like people want to hear the women tell their stories please yes you know <laughs> I think especially since like this mo- me too movement yeah. um has you know has really um put a voice for women to be like, what about their point of view kind of thing in mm-hmm. a way. And I felt like when um, when I found out that The Dirt was going to ca- coming out, I thought mine would be, my book would be such a great counterpart as a biopic or a series or, you know, mm, the a movie. documentary. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but as, as well as the book, you know, because mm-hmm. when they came out, because I was mentioned in so many rock books back in the day that's what made me say I think that um from a woman's perspective there should be a book written from that time from that time and Mm -hmm. and and I think I should be the one to do it I was promoting a book that had never been written for four years before it ever came out Mm -hmm. so um 
I do believe that it had a voice and it did and it does. I mean, it is the um, literally has been commented or had only 400 less reviews than the than the dirt. I know. You know, I mean, Motley Crue is a platinum selling rock band compared to one person. Right. One, one girl. I yeah. mean, that's pretty big, I think. And, you know, I think it's interesting that there is a, a resistance. There's always a resistance when yeah. it's like if it's an established male rock band, mm-hmm. then people, ex- I think they're more accustomed to those books and those projects sort of getting greenlit. Yeah, and of course they, it's, they do. You know, there is still a little bit of... Um, it's more of an uh, still an uphill battle, I think, it is. because we've you've had approached uh, you've had approaches from people um, talking about Dirty Rocker Boys mm-hmm. as a film, yep. as TV. A mm-hmm. lot of people just read it and they're like, "Oh my god!" And then the same with the second one as well. You know, I think that this also lends itself. So the second book that you and I worked on, which is called Cherry on Top, yeah. which Rare Bird, thank you so much has put out yeah and um it just came out what a couple weeks ago yeah yeah it literally has been two weeks it's been two weeks yeah and it's very different flavor to the first book it's much more in the present yes what's happening with bobby right now Mm -hmm. while reflecting on you know the things that that got you to this place but your journey through stand-up and And being a woman who's been in the public eye for for so long, yeah. and and now taking it's kind of restarting your life and your career. Yeah. Um, at the nearly fifty, or how old are you now? Did I'll you be know? fifty next week. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Looking yeah. exactly the same. I don't know oh, what you're doing you. here, but it's yeah. it's, it's mir- miraculous <clears throat> and beautiful. It's called Always. good lighting. <laughs> Only take photos from the neck up. <laughs> um, but you know that's that's another sort of really interesting narrative that I th- I could see working on uh, on TV and yeah. in film. And, you know, it's just, let's, you know, let's see what happens. Let's see um, if that these are narratives that can sort of make it to that next stage or, you know, they, they exist so beautifully as a book. And yeah. doing a second book, you know, People were asking you for a long time, weren't well, they, after the first one? Yeah, well, after the first one, well, I mean, you you know that I have so many, I have books and books worth of stories. You know, I have so many stories, yeah. and there were so many that we didn't get to, to talk about in the first book. Um, and um, and then there were so many topics that we did discuss in the first book that people wanted to know more about, you know, uh, that we didn't really tell much about, we touched on, and then moved forward. Mm-hmm. Um Literally, um, I, I reached out to the book company and was like, I think I need a second book. I really do. And they were like, autobiographies don't have second books. And I go, I think mine should. <laughs> and they were like, no. Well, so then with Rare Bird, I go, you know, I really do think that, um, I mean, I was inundated by messages mm-hmm. and people and women just loving, raving the book and then going, I want more. I want to know more. What about this? What about that? Tell, what do you do about this? Or how how did you come out of that? And they just had so many more questions wanting to know the details on certain things and where I was today. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and what, and advice, lots of advice questions. Mm-hmm. And um, which, which made me go, I really do need a second book. I really mm-hmm. do need mm-hmm. to like finish I need to, con- people do care about what's going on in my life, apparently. What are some of the questions that women ask you on a regular basis? 
on a reg um on a regular basis i get um uh how do you look you know look good or stay looking young at your age um specifically what do you do (laughs) what do you get who's your doctor um how often um you know asking me about dating they ask me how did how do i stay off drugs how do i stay sober Mm -hmm. have i ever gotten off the wagon what happened why did that happen um they're dating somebody who's an alcoholic what should uh, is it ever going to change should they leave this is what's happening like um i feel like because of how we have written the book very conversationally and Mm -hmm. very intimately that people feel like they know me personally right so Mm -hmm. they want to they're asking me as a friend they will ask me their most personal deepest darkest secrets and questions of what to do with their lives and i'll be like why the fuck are they asking me that? Like, I'm the worst person to ask for, uh, you know, for advice. Like, um, basically, I'm the poster child for what not to do. Um, Like, do not do that. Um, So for people who have maybe just sort of picked up the book for the first time or are trying to get to know, you know, who's this Bobby Brown? You know, how would you sort of present yourself to them having been in the public eye since the early 90s? Um, what's your kind of elevator pitch for yourself? God, I don't really, um, I'm a 13 year old boy trapped in a woman's body. I I don't know. Um, I, I do feel like I've been in the public eye. However, I don't view myself as a celebrity. Like, you know, I, I don't walk around going like, yeah, everybody knows my name. Like I'm a normal person. I treat everybody with respect and I love and, and, you know, I, I genuinely care about people. And um, so I don't really fit into that Hollywood mold. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's never been my ideal. And, and But people know <laughs> you for the cherry pie video. Yeah. So a lot of like the older rockers. Yeah. Um, and people associate me with music. Yes, definitely. With music, yeah. with uh, the cherry pie video, of yeah. course, which still... I don't know if it's something that you... Do you feel like it haunts you? Or no. Or it's something that you're proud of? Um, there was a time in my life where I was like, oh, God, enough with that shit already. But really, <laughs> literally, it's how people know me. Yeah. It's how I have conversations with people. It's how mm-hmm. people connect to me. And um, I welcome it because that'll be on my grave, you know, probably. Cher- <laughs> you know, that's, Cherry pie girl. <laughs> yeah. But honestly, that's how yeah. people connect to me and mm-hmm. remember me. And, and so I welcome that because... Yeah. That's how I have life still in, in these young people's eyes, you know, and, uh, you know, I have 18 year olds going, I have your poster on my wall. I'm like, why? Oh, cool. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And they're like, because I guess the 80s and the 90s is such a like. Um, it's, it's got it's, it's hip. It is. Yeah. It is a research, yeah. a resurgence of that time mm-hmm. era right now. Yeah. It's huge right now, mm-hmm. especially. Um, and I have the dirt also to thank for that in a way <laughs> yeah. it is totally given breathed new life into my you know my excuse genre. me though how annoying was it that i i i felt robbed and cheated that that i was excluded that you weren't <laughs> in the dirt movie because your stories are really good i mean my god your relationship with tommy lee yeah. which um was definitely we, we covered that in a few chapters in yeah. dirty rocker boys and it was a <laughs> some fun stories there um i don't think that they wanted to um i think they wanted to look a certain way in their in their movie Uh and um i don't think that bringing me into their movie would (laughs) part you know would particularly shed such light on them so they were trying to look a certain way and um i think they accomplished that by omitting wives girlfriends 
um, happenings. What did you honestly think of the film? Because I watched it. I have thoughts. I, I, you want me to be completely honest? Yeah. I thought it was douchebaggery at its <laughs> finest and it was very cheesy. <laughs> However, it was a cheesy time, but I don't. It was completely inaccurate and in, uh-huh. in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and your best friends with Sharice, obviously. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. Sharice was definitely she's suing she got her them. moment. She's, she's su- suing them. Oh, yeah, really? She's suing, yeah. For um, specific when your daughter dies and you use that as a, a focal point in a movie to bring uh, um, attention to you know so, to show compassion uh, for you know and you don't even consult the mother. So Sharice wasn't consulted not at, at all, all for not that at all. film. No. Okay. So suffice to say her relationship with Vince has probably um, no. is on ice currently. Yeah. It's been, been on ice for a while. But yeah. I do think that that should have been something that you... Vince meaning Vince Neal, yeah. obviously, of the singer of Motley Crue. They should have consulted her <laughs> if they were going to put and anything... This, you know, I think this yeah. brings up something really interesting. Like just the general... You know, we, we have moved into another era. I think that all of these artists, uh, these male rock and roll artists are sort of... I think maybe trying to keep up a little bit and prove that maybe they're a little more woke than they were compared to some of the insane, not just antics, because antics are fun, but just the insane misogyny of that era. And, you know, it's it's got to be a task to rebrand yourself and be relevant in this day and age. But the fact that they would make a movie and still sort of treat the women exactly... It, with the same disregard. It and was I, really that bad. Without yeah. con, you know any consultation. Yeah. And also I think maybe downplaying some of the they did. abusive behavior that yeah. really was part and parcel. And all you have to do is actually read the dirt and read in their own it, words yeah. Yeah. how women were viewed yes. in that they in, were they were viewed like scene. trash, like literally. They, it was yeah. crumpled up and thrown to, to the and wayside. And there was a little yeah. bit of that. You did see it, and it wasn't supposed to be a movie. I think that was trying to explore issues in no. a serious way. It no. was just supposed to supposed be to fun. Be fun. Yeah. I mean, I watched it, and I had an open. I kept an open mind. I did too. I mean, it was entertaining. I enjoyed the costumes. Yeah. were phenomenal. The and the acting was impeccable. The, the actors acting was killed. They it. were great. I yeah. absolutely one hundred and ten percent. Yeah. You know, um, round of applause to the act to the actors, especially the guy who played Ozzy Osbourne. His yeah, little cameo was, was yeah. amazing. I love the guy who played Nikki and the guy who played Tommy. It was like the same. Yeah. He embodied that, but but yeah, I just I'm, think it's interesting. Yeah, it is. Um, but anyway, so that moving on from that, we've got you sort of in 2019. Yeah. You've got your second book out. I'm grateful for that movie for resurgence of that time frame. Yeah. And that's going to be good for me, you, and, um, and, and just that era. I think it's cool that, that kids think that that era was so great. And it kind of mm-hmm. was. It mm-hmm. was a decadent time. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't, I don't think we'll ever be able to get that that feeling, that vibe, that time, how it was on the strip and, and how everybody was re- revered ever again. Now, yeah. now that we have social media and the mm-hmm. internet and mm-hmm. how I was saying to um, the guy earlier uh, that everybody's famous. I'm Instagram famous. Mm-hmm. I'm YouTube famous. I'm, you know, it's like everybody's fucking famous. For yeah. what, mm-hmm. though? Like, because mm-hmm. I have 100,000 followers. Mm-hmm. Um, How many followers do you have? I only, I, I jumped on the social media bandwagon late, like mm-hmm. a year ago, because I literally used to go, nobody gives a fuck about what I had for breakfast. They do. <laughs> Why? Why? 
I don't. I don't what I, did you have for breakfast? I, I'm not even going to tell you, but <laughs> honestly, like, I didn't think I'd be like, nobody gives a shit about, you know, like, oh, I'm at the grocery store or like all this. But for some reason, they do. And mm-hmm. so I jumped on the bandwagon late. I finally got an Instagram account a year ago. So now I have almost 50,000 followers and they're authentic. But um, I just got on a year ago and I just, mm-hmm. I, I did it pulling it was pulling teeth to get me to do it because I didn't want to have to do it. Mm-hmm. And guess what? We have to do it because people won't even hire you anymore yeah. or are interested in your talent specifically mm-hmm. unless you have a certain amount of followers and, and likes, which I think is absurd. I think that... I think it pisses it, me off. It pisses it me off yeah. too because, I mean, people buy likes. Hello. Do, I mean, you can I mean, buy like, a million followers. Like, it's really easy. There are... There are sites where you do that. I've, people have shown so me. So it's all about really how much money you have. You can kill you somebody. Need, it's not even that expensive. Yeah, it's you can kill ridiculous. somebody and get yeah. away with murder if you have enough money. <laughs> we, we've all learned that. Yeah. Um, you, can, you can literally buy anything in this life if you have money. And that's unfortunate because that's a fucked up world. So for you, what, um, what role does being an author and working on these books, like how does that play into your sense of who you are, your identity, what you're trying to do uh, with your life. And um, like, because not everyone wants to do a book, you know, so why is, why is it so important for you? Um, I think it's um, helping me figure, figure myself out. Mm-hmm. It's helping me evolve. And I feel like um, it's helping people evolve too. I get so many messages saying, reading your book, has changed my life. And I go, what? what? Mm-hmm. I always get blown away by that because I go, how and why? You know, like, and then I always just say, well, I'm so glad that you reading my story has helped you in any way whatsoever. And that makes, brings me joy. And if I can help and you can help anybody along the way to not have to figure things out on their own or feel like they're alone and, or, you know, nobody can relate to what they're going through or um, I, we could give them some advice by saying what I did wrong Mm -hmm. or right um, and by sharing that can help somebody then I feel like that helps me help them you know make things better Mm -hmm. make my life better makes me happy Mm -hmm. um, and makes you know if they're happy and and it helps them in any way that makes me happy so it's almost yeah I think that that's the sort of it's it's the immeasurable thing you know you don't know um, how people are being affected and hopefully they're being affected in a really positive way as much as both of your books are really entertaining and there's fun stories and sex stuff and you know highs and lows and drama and all of them um and all of the chapters pretty much there's still this sort of openness that I really admired about you know working with you that you weren't ever trying to shape uh, someone's an opinion. image yeah. your image you weren't no. trying to create a carefully crafted sort of public persona no. in order to achieve some other goal or with an agenda in mind you were right. always just really anxious to tell the truth yeah and you let me uh take as much of that as possible and and work with it mm-hmm. and i think uh so it makes sense that people reading that who might be going through things in their own lives 
whether it's um, relationship issues, because you really, you know, wear your heart on your sleeve with yeah. everything from these relationships with high profile rock stars from yeah. uh, Tommy Lee, Janie Lane, and m many others. Yeah. As sort of the first book was more about that. Yeah. But even, you know, guys who weren't in the public eye and being online and dating, yeah. trying to do that whole thing. Yeah. And being very honest about what it's like yeah. being putting yourself out there so I'm sure that that brings comfort to a lot of people <laughs> yeah even Bobby Brown yeah I mean I has has issues nightmares online I, mean, I feel dating. like yeah I feel like when I see you know the the housewives I'm like is that fucking real like do people watch that by the way I think they do oh my god I think they do see, that's another thing like or like, you know, Kardashians and all that yeah. shit. I mean, it's just like perfect. Like uh, everything's just coming up roses and they're loaded and all mm -hmm. this stuff. It's like, <clears throat> um, that is not my real life. That's for sure. It's and not their real lives either. I don't, I don't even care what their lives are really yeah. like, but I at least don't pretend like that's my life. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And I feel like honesty is always the best policy. Although yeah. <clears throat> this town is not a fan of honest. Um, I can't be anything but that. So mm -hmm. uh, I'm just being me. And if people appreciate that and, and appreciate the honesty, then mm -hmm. I'm grateful for it. You know, when you say that this <clears throat> town does not appreciate honesty, what do you mean by that? Excuse me. Everyone, most people here are opportunists. Most people here are, are competing and trying to, you know, get, uh, get on the next rung higher and more money and, more famous it's all this town is about being famous and about how much money you can make being famous and um some people will literally throw their moms under a bus to get that and um it's unfortunate because you don't know who you're meeting sometimes mm -hmm. you don't know if you're getting the real person or a sincere person like it's very hard to maintain friendships in this town and um know if you're not going to get fucked over you know what i mean and um, that's time and time and again, that's what I can, I go through mm -hmm. with people I meet and, and have to deal with in this town. Um, because you never know. So some people might then <clears throat> say, well, why would you stay in then a place? move. <laughs> yeah. Why would you stay in LA bearing in mind? And I happen to agree with you. Yeah. You know, I can count on one hand the people who have been, uh, sort of minimally affected by this culture of insecurity yeah. that leads people to present themselves in a very different way right. to what they really are. Yeah. So, uh, and also the city has changed. It's, it's something we discussed in, we wrote about in your this second book. book. Yeah. Really this sort of specter of homelessness that yes. is only now. It's really it's, bad. It's, I mean, yeah. it's been really bad for a while and yeah. only now people are starting to address it. Yeah. And uh, in, in, in the media. Yeah. Um, because it's just, reached a tipping point yes and this was something that was concerning to you because you're like wait what actually separates me from a lot of those people yeah. it's just one missed gig or one missed paycheck yep. you know what security do you have in this town coupled with this the the bizarre personalities that you come across so what does keep you in LA consistently n now that it's become even more of a shit show <laughs> um it's literally the um convenience of where you have to be to acquire m my job. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. like I can't, I would love more than anything to move to Minnesota and be in my nephew's mm -hmm. life every day yeah. or mm -hmm. to be with my kid um, in Satan's asshole in Louisiana. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, I can't 
you know, do a podcast um, and come do an interview and go meet with somebody for a TV show idea I have, you know, tomorrow mm-hmm. if I do those things. Mm-hmm. So it's like, um, this is the only career that I know and, mm-hmm. and the only life that I know and how to make money in my... In my it's your office. Yeah. yeah. I and, feel the same way too. I'm like, yeah. I could leave. It's really stinky and horrible yeah. and depressing in Los yeah. Angeles and yeah. you want to help, but you don't know how. And yeah. then... But, you know, this is kind of when you sign up for a life in this the industry. arts or entertainment yeah. or Hollywood or whatever, you kind of have to be here. So and that's what my answer is. Yeah. yeah. Where I am. So we're kind of stuck here until we're ready to throw in the towel. We are. Until yeah. the bitter end, Bobby. The bitter, until bitter. book 15 comes out. Yes. Um, you know, one thing that I think um, and I hope people get from this second book from Cherry on Top. Yeah is the this beautiful juxtaposition that you you sort of have this amazing ability to be quite crass in your yeah. humor yeah. you will say the most outrageous shit and yeah. it's hilarious because yeah. you can't even believe it yeah and at the same time you're incredibly soulful and extremely sensitive and spiritual yeah and it's the kind of the blending of those two sensibilities that to me um made it so much fun to work on this because we weren't just trying to be sort of all out like gags haha without really going too deep we went really really we went yeah really deep there's yeah. stuff here about your father going back to you know you're still of course thinking about Janie yeah. the father of your daughter yeah. and your the, the, and then your mother's mortality which mm-hmm. we discuss in the book as well there's some really heavy life stuff that you are completely open about yeah. in this book coupled with amazing fart Funny jokes shit. yeah <laughs> and yeah. ass jokes and yeah i mean i was I, just telling tyson <laughs> i listened to the audiobook yesterday yeah and it literally blew me away like I laughed out loud at your own book at my own book (laughs) I laughed out loud and I also cried great yeah like I I just thought roller coaster yeah I just thought you know and there's so many so much stuff that we talk about like that anybody could be going through and everybody could be going through and but but we talk about it in such honest detail and depth and 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 um with the answers of what I've learned and what I haven't learned and what I'm still learning and um but I just felt like I felt like it was a little short too. I felt like I could have listened to it even more, and that's been the one complaint about this book so far yeah. is that it's been too short, which is a good thing, I guess, is what I've been told. Um, but but the, we should address that for the readers. I mean, part yeah. of the reason was that we had we had very little no time, time to yeah. put the book together, so yeah. we got as deep as we could yeah. within the, the time sort of frame. short time frame. And like you say, it is kind of encouraging that people put it down and we're like, well, yeah, we want more of this. Yeah. I mean, if we were to do another book, what do you think? What, what would we talk about? What would we talk about? <laughs> God, you know what? Only, only, only time will tell what the fuck else is going to happen to me in my life. I mean, I feel like it changes on a weekly basis. It does. There's something massive. It does. does. Underway. I don't know why the fuck that happens to me. It's just that my energy, I think, literally draws in all kinds of walks of life and people. And because I'm so open to it, they literally, they're drawn to me like a moth to a flame. Mm -hmm. And so... I have so many crazy stories. Every I should literally just walk around with a little mini recorder with me every day and, and just start <laughs> I recording. I wish that you would because then we'd have a lot of material yeah. for book number three. 
I mean, <laughs> I already have so much stuff that's happened since we finished this book. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, only, only, uh, only time can tell and only maybe Rare Bird can tell what book three would bring. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it was, uh, it was interesting with, with Cherry on Top. Um, whereas your first book, Dirty Rocker Boys, was really a sort of analysis, a hilarious analysis of <clears throat> your life in the 90s and then in the 2000s and, and going into addiction and so on. Like, yeah. It was really, but it was in the past tense. Yeah. And in this book was... Uh, much more in the present tense of what yes. was going on in your life, relaunching yourself as a, a stand-up comedian and getting on the main stage at the comedy store almost out the gate. Yeah. You know, um, this book is like a present tense reflecting on a, a few things in the past. The The first book was mm -hmm. the past tense reflecting on a couple of things in the future, which is kind of totally... It's, it's really It was really yeah. interesting and really fun. I even had to write myself into the book a little bit because I was part of the process <laughs> and I kind of hammed up my own... Uh, character as a writer as and, and this is true I was all I was always torn between every time you're like Caroline you're not going to believe this fucked up thing that just happened to me yeah. I'd be like Bobby I'm so sorry but this is great for the book yeah exactly <laughs> uh, which which uh it was, I was a little conflicted but not too much I, I'll admit yeah. it was all it's all great material um and so uh how is comedy going right now you were doing a lot of headline shows yeah. and and sort of working on your craft a lot because you had five minutes basically to learn how to do this stuff and yeah. it's not easy no so, it's horrifying so tell me what I've the come, latest is i've come a long way yeah. i'm doing really well like i uh -huh. um I don't uh, float out like a balloon anymore. I don't. I don't black out. However, the day before a show, I do beat my shit. I beat myself up. Oh, this mm. is what, I can't do this. I'm. I like go through all of these processes. Like, uh, what am I thinking? I'm crazy trying to do this. This is nuts because it's truly a horrifying thing to try and to get up in front of a bunch of people and make people laugh. It is very hard to do. It's one thing to be funny all day long. Like, mm -hmm. you know what? You're funny. Oh, that's you know. I've always been a funny girl, witty girl, but to get up with the intention of making people laugh is a totally different ball of wax than just yeah. being a witty girl, you know? Um, it's a very hard thing to do and um, terrifying and all of that stuff. So um, I went from thinking that I needed to perform to transitioning it into having a conversation with my friend and tell because mm -hmm. my friend go said to me one day you know you're a lot funnier in real life who was that was that Tilky? yeah he goes yeah you're, you're a lot funnier in real life when mm -hmm. you tell me stories about what happened to you today like right. you, you're mm -hmm. way funnier because i think you're more relaxed and comfortable uh -huh. and he goes the part that's the funniest is you telling the stories are, are really funny so when you get up there and you do a spiel or you are doing your your set it's not really it didn't really happen kind of so you're not really telling the story in a way I mean you're still funny he goes but if you could just get up there and like tell it like you're telling me right now like what you just did I think it would be way better so you tried that so I tried mm -hmm. it and it was 10 million times better mm -hmm. so it? are you now sort of adopting that approach yes to, yes so how much do you prepare are you still prepare I'm sure your, your jokes and your I do points. prepare but it's not like it used to be mm -hmm. I used to literally like it would be studying for an exam and like no and throwing papers over my shoulder and, and like would you memorize the entire 
I would try. Yeah. I'm not very good at memorizing, but I would try. And there, then, and, and, and note to the listeners, there are some of lots of those jokes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the good ones, the good, the bad, and the ugly are in, in, in this the book. book yeah. which, and it's funny because we see your progression from that sort of more scripted comedian yes. who's dealing with the most insane nerves of your entire life, yeah. standing on the biggest stage in the comedy, in the world of American comedy, basically. You know, this is where Richard Pryor got his start. Yeah. And, um, and evolving from that scripted approach, mm-hmm. which was hilarious, but yeah. was limited to this sort of more natural, honest, yeah. kind of like what we're doing in the book, just right. being honest and right. just being in the flow. And that, and it's really working. It's yeah. really working. And it's so much easier on me, really. Because, yeah. so, so, because then I used to come off stage and be like, oh shit, I forgot, I forgot that one part of my set or I totally omitted that part because just out of nerves, I would forget a part or a section and it, and it would be, you know, pivotal for, you know, going into the next joke. So with, with the way I'm doing it now, it's just like, just remembering the story and then just going into telling it. As, as I would my mm-hmm. friend, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, and acting it out that my friend goes, that's the funniest part about you is that you're so um, physical yeah. with when you tell a story, you do voices and you imitate people and you make fun of them and, and, or however it is that you're doing, it's like, it's, that's who you are as a person when you tell any story, mm-hmm. because I really think that that's what you should do. And I was like, oh, really? You think people really... Because I feel like I'm a total goofball when I'm telling stories. And I do make funny ass faces. And I am in fun, and you know, do my body really weird. He goes, mm-hmm. but that's what's hilarious because you're just like this pretty girl who nobody would expect you to be making those body movements and mm-hmm. doing that and those funky faces and sounds. And like, I don't know. He goes, it's, it's just that's what's funny about you. Yeah, it's so interesting. I remember you telling me something that I think uh, I, I'm pretty sure made it into the book, but... There's this um, idea in comedy that there's a, there's a, a struggle between like a pretty woman being funny. Yeah, uh, people, that's a big deal. Um, and and I, I thought that was so interesting. Like, why is it in society that uh, women a woman funny. who's attractive yeah. isn't allowed to be funny? To be funny, and she becomes sort of. Uh, uh, problematic like people don't know where, where to put her so how what's your experience been of that I still I still get that like, even when I do interviews I, I'll still get a man interviewing me going like well you know like how are you doing this stand-up thing because you know women really generally aren't funny and I'm like yes they are like I mean excuse I, me <laughs> I still get that and wow. I still get um like when I first started doing comedy I remember my teacher telling me like so you know essentially telling me to dress like a guy like kind of like don't don't oh, play down yes. your femininity. Yes. Okay. And to, not that you're a hyper you don't over sexualized. No. Like that kind of no. hyper sexualized attire on stage ever. No. Yeah. I'm a, I'm pretty I'm very much of a tomboy in a yeah. lot of ways. Yeah. And and so generally I do not really dress like very sexy. I mean I'm sexy, but I don't dress sexily. Does that make sense? Like yeah. I'm never in mini skirts with a low cleavage, like you know. But I, I, I can be considered sexy. But Do you I, think that that's disappointing to some of the guys who come to your show? I don't like, know. <laughs> I have no idea. Well, you're not performing for them. In fact, no. who are you performing for? I, I mean, honestly, I don't know. It's not that I'm performing for anyone. I'm checking my bucket list. I'm doing this for myself. Yeah. You know, I'm mm-hmm. like doing this for myself because literally, um, 
I'm trying to find the funny in my life and in this world because everybody's so fucking serious anymore. Everybody's taking everything so personal and everybody mm-hmm. can't even take a joke. People are just, what are you trying to say? Like, wow, dude, take a breath. Like nobody's attacking you. You know, everybody mm-hmm. is so on edge, so um, defensive. And I feel like, stop taking yourself so fucking seriously. Yeah. Like people are really so self-involved even in the comedy world because it's supposed kind of yeah i mean everybody mm-hmm. i feel like everybody's very self-involved right and it's like um okay i, I think that's comical and you know i have friends who are very self-involved yeah like i'll well because i'm famous i'm like who says that people like, say that well, i blah yeah, blah blah they do. well i'm they because do. i'm famous all the time all the time and i feel yeah. like well that is funny i've never <laughs> said that comedic. i've never said that about myself i and when people call me famous i go i don't i don't thank you but i don't think that uh-huh and um and i think that's a weird way to think the stakes are pretty high in hollywood there's a lot of money to be made in comedy these days and uh, yeah people do take them tend to take themselves quite seriously yeah which again brings me back to why it was such a pleasure working with you thank you because you know i've worked on several books with several different people who are in the public eye Mm -hmm. and you know everyone has their own story their own sort of individual approach and sometimes it's a more serious approach Mm -hmm. and a little more guarded and maybe a little more sort of shaping of public persona that needs to happen and sometimes it's more relaxed and down to earth and you've always I think that's why we ended up doing a second book together because we were able to be relaxed it's such an intimate process it is I mean what how what do you feel about just the process of writing a book and telling the stories and and um because I'm sure a lot of people wonder like uh just what like what is into the it. process? Yeah, well, how do you how do we do that? How um, would, what what would you say to them? People honestly do do ask me that question, and um, uh, I I think that having you as a ghostwriter is incredible because I don't know what people want to know about me. I would never just throw out their answers or questions about myself in the ways that you would ask me because I don't know what people want to know. Right? I don't. You think you know what people want to know. I don't. So, and I don't go around talking about myself. So, you're good in that way to ask me something. And then I just go on a tangent and then ad lib and ramble. And then you, you're typing away, typing away and recording, recording yeah. and recording everything. Sitting on your couch with yeah. Nupa in the bedroom, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Oh, it's so much fun. It felt like hanging out with yeah. a girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, because we feel comfortable. So, we hang out, yeah. we eat, we drink, yeah. we have sleepovers, and we just fucking talk. Yeah. And you, you know, you record it and then transcribe it and then you mold it into something wonderful and, and very, you take, you take us on the journey. I'm just like a kook scattering out, you know, crazy stories. You, you form it and shape it into something that flows. And then give it back to you and yeah. you're like, yeah, and this is great. Actually, yeah, change this, this was wrong. <laughs> yeah. So then I go yeah. through it again and then I, with a fine tooth comb and go, oh, yeah. the timing's wrong. No, that didn't happen. Yeah. You must have missed it. So then I go through it with a fine tooth comb and then essentially we, we come together and agree on the things that I think that should be changed or not changed or love or don't love. And, that's pretty much the way it goes. It's a collaboration. It's a collaboration. It's beautiful. Like yeah. when it when it works, it's it's just so much fun with the back and forth. Yeah, and it truly is. Getting to learn about you and, and yeah. share that. And then I love to do the audio book because I mm-hmm. feel like personally, I feel like a, an author needs to do their own book because that's 
that's when, you know, it, it becomes intimate. Like me telling my story to you personally. It's like me reading you a bedtime story, mm -hmm. you know? And I feel like that's what makes um, people feel close to you when you read it. Mm -hmm. And um, and like I said, I cried and laughed at my own self <laughs> yesterday when I listened to my own book. And I was like, is that really creepy to do? But it really did touch me. So yeah. I think that if it could do that to me and I already know the dang stories, <laughs> then it, it's got to be affecting other people in that way too. Yeah. So anyway, this has been a wonderful... Um, interview and I love you so much. Thank you for love coming you too, and and doing this with us. And uh, please check out our new book, um, yes. Cherry on Top with Rare Bird. And um, follow me on social media on Instagram at Brown Bobby and uh, across all other social media platforms at Bobby Jean Brown. And where can everyone follow you? Mm, I'm on Instagram. But <laughs> Girl, please don't follow Who me cares okay. about me. I'm just a writer. I try to keep my head down. And so. please uh, <laughs> check out um, Rare Bird um, Lit at Rare Bird Lit on Instagram <laughs> and uh, all books with with um, our company, which we love very much. So have a great day, everybody. And thanks you. for listening. Bye.